Space, the nerdiest frontier. This is the content warning of the USS Word Balloons. Our continuing mission to solve every nerdy question and talk about penises more than you really think we probably should. Just your fair warning, as again, the aforementioned penises, plus we will swear, and who even knows, the questions have taken me in research directions I never expected. You have been warned. Hi everybody, I'm Tyler. And I'm Zach. We're Aeronauts and we're back with more word balloons. We've been flying higher on our own hot air, but we've stopped our journey to Utopia Planitia to answer your nerdy questions. So with that in mind, Zach, what's our question this week? Was Darth Vader always supposed to be Luke Skywalker's father? (laughs) Okay, so I suppose this answer depends on how much you want to believe George Lucas speaking 25 years after the fact. Well, okay, first... Quick delineation, we will not be talking about the very first draft script of Star Wars ever made. No. It's like a wildly different thing, because we have an episode about that coming up later this season, and it's easier just to separate them. The answer is definitively no, and that George Lucas is a fucking liar when he claims he is. There we go. But, oh god, where was that? Oh, the Lucas quote? Yeah. Both of us are looking... I don't like the website Screen Rant. Like, I'm just going to get that out there. But they had some of this really well pulled pulled together. It's mostly clickbait, but every once in a while there's just like a super well put together article, so... Okay, so, George Lucas, in the introduction to the 25th anniversary edition of the novelization of A New Hope, said, When I wrote the original Star Wars screenplay, I knew that Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father. The audience did not. I always felt that this revelation, when and if I got the chance to make it, would be shocking. But I never expected the level of emotional attachment that audiences had developed for Luke. Bullshit. 100% bullshit. (laughs) I mean, okay, yeah. Actually, it was 100% bullshit because he was not even Luke's father in the original draft of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, the original uh, screenplay draft for Empire Strikes Back was written by uh, Lee Brackett. Also, it's not great. But, like, you know, it's the first draft. I'm not actually throwing shade. Like, you just have to get the roughs. Mm-hmm. It's a first draft. Editor, so is Steven here. Sorry, I was uh, I was unloading the uh, Cantina Band's uh, equipment. Uh, they're setting up for the Jizz Festival in the, uh, in the music hall. I knew it was coming, and I'm still mad. That uh-huh. it Dude, I'm so happy the Jizz <laughs> Festival is going on. I'm going to attend. I don't, know, I don't know how we got it here on the fucking balloon out of all places. But, yeah, I was setting that up, and, oh, yeah, first draft. It's a first draft. Yeah, so it's gonna. It's just to get the work out. Yeah, yeah. No, I only so, say it because they show they have like moments of it, and you're like, "This is fucking clunky, even for Star Wars." Now, arguably, you could say that this first draft was a splinter in the mind's eye. Okay, quick sidebar on that one because okay, George Lucas was never confident that Star Wars was going to do well, which is fun because Steven Spielberg was super confident that Star Wars was going to do well. And to convince them, they actually made a bet with each other that both of them would take a gross of the other's movie. So, like, Steven Spielberg would get a a gross percentage of Star Wars and Lucas would get a gross percentage of, I think it's uh, Close Encounters. Mm. Yes, because E.T. came later because it was after 
Empire because Yoda appears in E.T. So right. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and Lucas is like, I fucking got the better end of this one. Because no one thought Star Wars was going to do well. And then it became a fucking pop culture sensation, and Spielberg's like, I made so much money off this! And it was like 1%. Like, it's not like a huge amount, but, but still, still... That's that's still a percent. 1% just for... of Star Wars money is, um... Oh boy. For guessing Star Wars is gonna do good. But Alec Guinness knew Star Wars was going to do well. Everyone else was like, no, it's gonna fucking die. But George Lucas was already starting to think of the possibility of sequels even before it came out, but he wasn't confident at all that it would do well. So while there was some ideas for Empire, he uh, originally had someone develop what would have been a much smaller scale sequel that was titled Splinter of the Mind's Eye. That is, all takes place on a single planet. It uses... Of the main cast, I think the droids are there, Luke and Leia are there, Vader's there. I don't think Han or Chewie are there. Uh, I can't remember all the details on Splinter I've read the, the They've done a comic book adaptation of it, and I think a novel, but it's not great. They're all they're trying to get some like fancy crystal kind of thing. But you know, it was like much smaller scale as opposed to like planet and planet and mm-hmm. yada yada yada. It did eventually become the first essentially expanded universe story. Interesting. So then they went to go make an actual sequel. They're like, eh, we worked out some of that. And Lucas was still kind of unsure and didn't want to be the only screenwriter. It's like... Also, he's not a great screenwriter. He's not a great screenwriter, but he's like, if this fucks up, I don't want it to be only my name. I feel like Lucas is a pretty good producer, but everything else he kind of struggles on. So that's when we got Lee Brackett did the first screenplay and then passed away. And then it's what, Kazdan for the second? And so the second, and basically going into production, was Lucas working with the director, Lawrence Kasdan, mm-hmm. to sort of finish off and, and redo some things. And it was in that second draft that Vader becomes Luke's father. In because the, f- the first draft, Leia's not even Luke's sister. You mean? I mean, he wasn't... Damn, anyway, I much prefer but, uh, the, that. I would prefer them not all be fucking related. See, I, I actually like those two being related. I just don't like Luke and Leia, yes. Everyone else, I don't care. But you actually meet Anakin's Force Ghost in the first draft. It is the ghost of Obi-Wan and Anakin that train him on Dagobah, not Yoda in the original story. Oh, shit. And, like, he has Luke take the Oath of the Jedi or something like this. He also released a bunch of... George Lucas wrote out a bunch of, like, character bios that he narrated himself onto, like, cassettes, I guess, Mm. where he read it as, like, Vader telling his story, or, like, C-3PO telling his story. Interesting. And a lot of it actually went on to become canon in various places. Vader's very definitively is not, because he is decidedly not Anakin Skywalker. He's Vader. Just a guy. Yeah. He is just another Jedi who sides with the Empire when they take over, as opposed to the Jedi who had sided with... Like, originally there was a lot more of a civil war going on. The the uh, senators that didn't side with the Empire much more openly rebelled, as opposed to, like, Bail Organa being like, No, totally on the Empire side. Get Obi-Wan in the fucking vehicle already. Get him in the car. <laughs> yeah, it seems like if... If the original trilogy would have went Lee Brackett's way, it would have been much more of a straight-up revenge tale, and that's the darkness within himself Luke is trying to face, sort of being like, 
I set out on all this for a quest for revenge, and as I'm learning more about the ways of the Jedi, can I complete my quest when, you know, this is what's been driving me all this time, and so on and so forth. And it would sort of seem to set up for then the sequel trilogy being Luke going to find his sister, Nelth Skywalker. Yeah, Leia was definitively not his sister until Return of the Jedi. Did you say Nelth? N-E-L-L-T-H. Yeah. Okay. Who I think is was supposed to be on the other side of the galaxy, also being trained to be a Jedi. Also, just for funsies, on some level, Darth Vader, especially when he became Luke's father, was based off George Lucas's own relationship with his father. Because his father was a, you know, well-to-do businessman. Not, like, super rich. It, he was a... He ran an office equipment store. But, you know, like, lower blue-collar kind of... Or, uh, like, whatever. Like, decently well-off guy who wanted his son to take over the family business, and George definitively did not want to do that, and the argument was enough that the the pair didn't talk for several years, really, until George became successful and his dad was like, okay, I guess I don't have to worry about you. Like, you know, it, it, it's that kind of first half of the 20th century awkwardness of, I'm going to make you do what I want you to do, but it's because I want to make sure that you're like, well taken care of and comfortable as opposed to like you will protect my legacy that it be kind of becomes later anyways not important also vader wasn't originally supposed to be a cyborg he was a mutant no oh at one point well at one point he was a mutant the the armor and everything was because originally he was an imperial general Mm -hmm. he was supposed to be able to spacewalk in it and that was the suit that he put on to spacewalk to board the ship and then he was supposed to get there and take it off because it was a space suit. But they were like, ooh, this concept design is fucking fire. Let's just also, make this. It's expensive to portray someone spacewalking in the 70s. Yeah. Side note, if you ever get the chance, it's on YouTube. Look up, I think it's like Darth Vader original voice, and it's from a documentary about making the first Star Wars. And they have, because the guy who played Vader Oh, because they had David Prowse David actually... Prowse had to know all the lines so people could respond to him. Because it's not James Earl Jones in the Vader costume, he just dubbed over later. Fun story I've heard is that he was notorious about just, like, giving away plot to the media. Prowse? Yeah. Probably. So Lucas fucking hated him. Lucas fucking hated this and would just give him wrong lines. I can't... Because he knew he was that, but I also can't say that's not true either. This is a thing I totally heard and I don't know, so... There is uh, one other person in the original trilogy in the Darth Vader costume that people never fucking bring up. Uh, I want the to guy give him his from props. Return of the Jedi. In both Empire and Return of the Jedi, the guy that's doing the actual lightsaber fighting as Darth Vader is legendary Hollywood choreographer Bob Anderson, who also choreographed a lot of the Errol Flynn fights way back in the day, mm-hmm. oh, wow. and the Princess Bride fencing scene. Wow. Also, the reason that the sword fights were so like slow and clunky in the first one, beyond just shoestring budget, was uh, Lucas imagined lightsabers being super heavy. Because of, like, the the energy pack that would be required to run something like that. And then he's like, this sucks. (laughs) (laughs) I I get, like, it being clunky in that it's a fucking lightsaber and, like, it's not a sword. I feel like they went a little too far in the prequel trilogy with, like, the amount of spinning that they do. But, uh... Yeah, like, like, that's too far. Soup's Heavy was a little too much, too. Uh, Split the difference. I forgot where we were going with this. I think we're... I think we answered it. 
Oh, and got way off topic, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what I was going to say. The, the YouTube thing I was talking, mm. Darth Vader original voice, David Prowse. It is the, the the clip that I've seen is the bit where he's yelling at Leia that she's a traitor. In the oh, very okay. first like very first scene. And they hadn't hired James Earl Jones yet when they did this original bit. They were recording it all. And everyone was like, is that fucking Vader's voice? Because it's like this heavy Scottish accent. Going, you're a you're, traitor! You're part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor! <laughs> and you're like, God, Prowse is a great guy, but this is, this sounds fucking terrible. That's amazing. Also, James Earl Jones respected Prowse enough that he originally uh, denied credit. He mm-hmm. was not listed in the original, at least as I understand it, Lucas added his name when they released it on uh, videotape. Interesting. Interesting. Because, I mean, it's James Earl fucking Jones. He absolutely needs credit he, for playing Darth Vader's voice. Especially for that, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not wildly uncommon, though. Uh, the in the guy who played Abe Sapien. The guy who Doug voiced Jones. Abe Sapien. No, not Doug oh, Jones. Niles David Hyde Pierce. Crane, yeah. Was so I impressed with Doug Jones, Jones. I think Jones did it in two, though. Yes. Yeah. He, David Hyde Pierce didn't want credit for voicing Abe Sapien, and then was so impressed with how Doug Jones did it, he's just like, no, just have fucking Doug Jones voice him next time. Which, like, he did a fucking amazing job. It's Doug Jones. He does an amazing job. And one of the best parts of Star Trek Discovery is that Doug Jones is in it. But this is way... We are so far <laughs> off topic at this point. This is general nerdery at this point. Well, in order to keep our journey going, we're going to have to drop some ballast. Luckily, Zach is stuffed to the brim with the sort of genre facts. I'll prod him a bit and see what shakes loose. Remember, any misses or mistakes will have to be made up for at the end of our trip. Today, we'll keep this expedition's theme of starships. So, Zach, what knowledge can you drop on the Devastator? Is that... Hold on. Is that Vader's Star Destroyer from the very first New Hope? Yes. That is... The Star Destroyer. So, okay, so every Star Wars movie, at least of the original trilogy, and I, th- and at the most Star Wars movies, open with a Star Destroyer floating overhead. Not all of them, because they didn't always have Star Destroyers, but the originals. Uh, the very first one we see is the Devastator. It is, at the time, Vader's flagship, until by Empire Strikes Back, he's gained the Super Star Destroyer, the Executor. The Executor? This is what I get for reading shit. Right. I think it's the executor makes a lot more sense. Executor sounds like Pokemon. (laughs) Yeah, it is a Pokemon. Um, Exactly. But blame third grade me who was reading stuff. Uh, The Devastator was the very first Star Destroyer we ever see. Uh, Ever? Ever, yeah. Like, it it is the Star Destroyer. It is one of the most iconic spaceships in history because of that. I don't think it's a wildly unique Star Destroyer. There's a, there's a couple mods. But if I, you wanna, if you wanna make, up I'll for look them up later. and see if I do yeah. it. But you know, what? I'm just curious. I want to see if I can still do this. It because it's an Imperial Star Destroyer. It's probably roughly 1,600 meters long. Exactly 1,600 meters long. And yet, I still don't know most of my coworkers' names. Um, <laughs> well, they're not giant star destroyers, yeah, and I didn't read about them when I was nine. <laughs> Let's see, and I. No, I can't do most of that. But that is part of my argument of, like, who would win Star Trek versus Star Wars. Part of the reason I always go Star Wars is, like, the Enterprise-D, the, like, one of the bigger ships we ever see in Star Trek, the next gen, Mm -hmm. is something like 500 to 600 meters long. And it's a relatively big ship for that series. Yeah. The Imperial Star Destroyer, which is, like, the backbone of the fleet is 1,600 meters long. Like, if we put the weapons at roughly comparable... Just sheer size and numbers. Jesus Christ, how the fuck they build all those? They basically destroyed a bunch of planets. 
just strip mined planets beyond any kind of usability. That sucks. The power of a star destroyer basically is the equivalent of powering an entire planet. And then they, you know, put it together at the Quat drive yards. Uh, yeah, Quat, and I think Corellia in the new Disney canon, where Corellia is a much more shipyard kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think you got all the important things. Like, you didn't get the slight modifications to it, but I don't really I'll expect you to we'll know those. those. Yeah. Devastator is only... It's not used much. No. I do believe it was involved in the Battle of Scarif. I believe that. Mm -hmm. Battle of Scarif being, in the new Disney canon, the final battle between the Empire and the Rebellion, which led to the full... Or I guess at that point, the New Republic, which led to the full surrender of the Empire. And is it... Is it one that class it, or with with uh, star destroyers? Is it I class or one class? I don't know. I know I know them as imperial class star destroyers, so probably I class. But it's the last. Just not to take away all your half makeup triv, you know, trivia, but uh -huh. it is was the very last before they went on to the the next Im higher up model. Imstar Deuce. The Imstar Deuces. Uh, let's see if I can do this. It's the Venator class. Well, the Acclimator, which is a lander that is the first thing we see in Episode 2 that's kind of shaped like a Star Destroyer, but it is not technically. Then the Venator class, which is what we see in Episode 3, which are the like red and white ones that are kind of cool looking. I actually really like Venators. Then the it was created before the prequel trilogies came out, the Victory class Star Destroyer, which is the precursor to the Imperial Star Destroyer, but is smaller. It's just like... I don't know, like 900, 1200 meters, something like that, instead of 16. You know. Like two-thirds as big? Yeah, the prototype in a lot of ways. Interesting. Uh, and then the Imperial Star Destroyer, then the Super Star Destroyer, like the Executor and the Lucian Kia, and then in the original comics and stuff, we eventually get the Eclipse-class Star Destroyer, which is kind of a mini Death Star. It's also like 16 kilometers long. Like, it's just goofy. 16 kilometers yep. long? It took me a moment to process. The Cold yeah. Emperor, everyone makes fun of uh, the Rise of Skywalker for bringing back the Emperor. It's not even the first time we've done that. Just, he's back. How? Clones, whatever. Fuck off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's back. We lied about him being gone. And, whatever. Uh, Fuck off. I have a 16 kilometer starship that has a mini Death Star gun in it. Honestly, Rise of Skywalker just shamelessly robbed things from Dark Empire. <laughs> Yeah, which weakest of the trilogy, one of the weaker of the like major storylines of the expanded universe. So, oh, makes sense. <laughs> well, shit, that's it for today, folks. Uh, we're taking off. Before we go, we'd like to remind you to hit subscribe and check out all of our sister shows at earvrm.com. That is E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Other ways to get in touch with and follow us will be in the show notes. As always, we'd like to give a special thanks to our editor Stephen Gady and to Ian Ford for our theme song tracks. Until next time, I'm Tyler. I'm Zach. Up, up, and away.